With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the Carter Volkswagen Studios. KJRAM and KJRFM HD2 Seattle. And iHeart Radio Station. This segment of Northwest Wild Country is brought to you by Abu Garcia Reels. Abu Garcia for life. The uh, question of the day that we offered here at the start of the show was uh, share some critical reading. If you have something that okay. you particularly love to read, uh, Fisherman Hunters, it could be a fishing title, it could be a hunting title, it can be instructional, it can be educational, it can be funny, it can be entertaining to read. Trey Combs' Steelhead Fly Fishing is an amazing thing to read, yep. even if you're not a fly angler, just about the history of the Northwest and the steelhead fishing in the Northwest. It's well worth the read. Upper uh, Columbia Fly Fisher by yes. Stephen Bird is another suggestion here on the Spider Wire text <clears throat> line. Yeah, you walk into J.D. <clears throat> Love's uh, little trailer <clears throat> when he has it parked over on the Grand Run, and that book is proudly displayed right there on the table when you walk in. I have one He's here suggested by uh, by Rock Tommy. Longbows in the Far North by E. Donald Thomas Jr. I'm curious whether our next guest... Is he talking about Scott, big rainbows? Scott or? Haugen has actually read that <laughs> book. Has, has he or has he not? Scott, what is... What is this is kind of a, a trick jump question. I didn't prepare you for this at all. But uh, what would be in your must-read list for fishing and hunting books, magazine titles, and so forth? Because oh, man, that's you a, know, I, I was a Capstick fan um, growing up, Peter Capstick. Really? I just yeah. loved his adventures, just the way he brought mm-hmm. things to life. So, yeah, Death and Death in the Tall Grass, uh, you know, th- this is, uh, his whole series of books were 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 my favorite to read. So I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. A lot of good stuff out there. What about Jim Conway, Scott? Remember him? It, oh yeah. He yeah. Was, yeah. Heck yeah. No, he was uh yeah, I, I, I loved his stuff and yeah, there were there were gosh, there there's a lot of great stuff out there. You know, it's it's interesting how writing has changed so much. It used to be so much, you know, entertainment and about the story of the mm-hmm. the fishing adventure, the hunting trip and now it's just switched to so much how to and that's true and, mm-hmm. and i guess technical stuff and and i, I miss that I, I i miss just the good old story of why we uh, initially would uh, go out there. i do too mm-hmm. I, I do too uh, scott i'm going to text you a link later today to a, a piece of reading mm-hmm. that i've recommended to everybody who will listen this past week you i think you'll like it. it's it's based in northern california but but i digress i'm yeah. going to read from the book of haugen Uh-oh. for just one Indeed. second here prepare yourself scott and we're going to lead into the conversation <laughs> thusly This is a a forward to your book, uh, Trophy Blacktails, The Science of the Hunt. And it goes like this. Growing up in California, I cut my teeth hunting blacktail deer, and boy, did they give me the fits, exclamation point. It wasn't (laughs) until college that I began traveling to the other states to seriously hunt the more glamorous mule deer. And once I did, I remember thinking, compared to the blacktail back home, these things are dumber than a box of rocks. (laughs) Oh, so, so I, I can concur. Living in eastern Washington, uh, we hunt over there with a uh, oatmeal cookie and a hammer. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. But but Scott, let's let's dive into the fact that uh, the blacktail is no joking. It is of the uh, of the North American deer. It is the most difficult to hunt. Is that a true statement? 
Oh yeah, I, I don't. I don't even think it's it's even close. And and anyone who spent time hunting mm-hmm. all the deer species in North America, you know, I think would agree. And 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 I go so far as to say, not even North America, or you know, not even just deer, but but any big game animal in North America, I think outweighing a, a trophy class. Uh, Columbia blacktail is, is the toughest animal in North America. You know, sheep and goat—they're tough, but mm. but you know, if you're physically in shape, you pretty right. much know where they're going to be. Yeah. Um, you know, moose are just a, a matter of you know getting through the the tundra and the sloggy yeah. mess to get to them a lot of times. So, but 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 they're there. You know, the, with the blacktails, a lot of times you don't know where they are. Um, if you do know where they are, it it can be impossible to get to them. So there are a lot of different reasons. Mm. You know, they they occupy six different. You know, really unique habitats uh, within this little corner of the Pacific Northwest, and and you know that makes it even more difficult because these habitats are are can all be hunted differently because of the deer's behavior within each respective area. So you have the the physicality of the hunts that you mentioned, Scott. You have you know the you know goats and sheep and so forth that require you know some sort of physical exertion. There 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 are a lot of hunts that are like that. But yeah. the thing about the blacktail that, that's that's cool. It it is I guess to to coin a phrase or to borrow a phrase it's kind of more of a cat and mouse game than any other kind of hunting i mean it really and truly is it is it is a it is a contest of of instinct and intelligence and and most guys lose yeah yeah that's right i mean the success rates are are very low you're exactly right and and it is it's just trying to figure out you know what, what to do when and where and i think a lot of it just comes down to the to the timing of the, of the deer and, and the, the nature of the pre-rut and transition from, you know, pre-rut to peak rut, which we're, which we're in right now. And, and uh, you know, Washington season, I think, is, is winding mm-hmm. down uh, th- this weekend. Yeah, o- Oregon's general rifle season has another, another week left. And then, you know, then we're into some late season archery and, mm-hmm. and rifle stuff. And, and you know, that's going to take into early December. And, and the deer's behavior is, is way different then. The, the bigger bucks, are, you, you know, are, are even behaving a lot differently in, in, in two to three weeks than, you know, than the insubordinate bucks as well. So you have all these behavior issues that are going on with them. And, and uh, it's been interesting. You know, we've been able to take a string of, of you know, uh, trophy bucks in a certain area. And it might go three, four, five, six, seven years, something like that. And then it stops. And one thing I've learned is that no big trophy blacktail buck is ever anywhere by mistake. So once we take something or, yeah. or you know, if someone yeah. is out there and, and they kill one of these big deer and they think, wow, I got really lucky, you know, with that. You know, it, it, it don't tell anyone that, first of all. Just to say, yeah, I knew what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But, just go with but, you it, know, man. go back and reassess yeah. the That's whole right. situation. You know, if you did feel like you lucked into it, why? You know, uh, what was going on at that time with whatever moon phases or ruts or pre-ruts or doe ratios or logging or hunting pressure, moon, uh, you know, the moon phases we said, or, you know, wind direction. It, it, because that deer wasn't anywhere, by, wasn't there by mistake, and I can guarantee you next year there's going to be another big mature buck right back in that same exact spot. Uh, I would like to state, have that, that Scott comes into this knowledge, uh, Not this is not new knowledge to him, by the way. If you look at this <laughs> book, there's a picture of him with, I believe, was it your paternal grand, grandfather? Mm-hmm. There, there's a picture mm-hmm. of you when you're, I don't know, two years old, maybe? A year old? How yeah. old were you in this picture? Uh, uh, two years old, yeah. Two, two years old. And then and then underneath that is the picture of the very first the black tail that Scott rattled in in 1979. Yeah. So Scott's yeah. been hunting these things for a while. Yeah, yeah. And and that's when it started, you know, and just, yeah. uh, you know, my intrigue with, you know, growing up with it and then being a, you know, a, a science teacher for 12 years with, you know, some a biology background and, and just the behavior of animals is, is really you know, w- what intrigues me and kind of what drives me. I'm coming off of a off of a hunt here, I had a, a special muzzleloader hunt in the White River area um, near the Dalles 
uh, for bench leg blacktails, uh, you know, those are the ones that can have the potential across with mule deer. So, you know, open country hunt, uh, you know, different deal. But, you know, I, I hunted hard for seven days. And, you know, there were times I thought, how in the world have I ever killed a blacktail deer? I mean, honestly, these things are <laughs> next mm-hmm. to impossible. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, things things just keep, you know, happening and coming together. And you just keep pushing and going and grinding and learning while you go. And, you know, I hunted seven straight days, daylight to dark. I mean, I was, you know, in, in the woods before before daylight and out after dark every single day. You know, no, no lunch breaks or driving into town or stopping or anything. It was all about learning what was going on with the animals and, and their behavior and the signs in the conditions and, and pushing forward. And I learned a lot. That's what I love about these deer. The learning never stops. I'll tell you, Scott, my grandfather and my dad used to take two weeks off at the end of, end of October every year and go down to Pacific County by Raymond and oh. go way up in the hills and go blacktail hunting. And they'd spend 10 days down there to get their two deer. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they knew what they were doing. They knew those hills like the back of their hands. Yeah. And my grandpa used to tell me, he goes, you think you know what you're doing? Come on down here and see if you can hunt one of these things. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's exactly right. And and, and the, the best hunters I've hunted with, you know, anywhere in the world, uh, where we've been fortunate to go, the best hunters who really interpret what's going on in, in the wild are the people that have that have hunted blacktail and roosevelt elk they just they look at things differently and and it does it's you know sometimes it happens when you go out there and you know run into a buck right away but uh you know when we were filming tv shows it took us an average of two and a half weeks to film one blacktail show wow. you know a mule deer show is usually two or three days an elk show four or five days and you know, some international shows you could shoot, you know, two shows a day because of, of the game. So, so you, you know, that's another thing that a lot of people say, gosh, why aren't there more blacktail shows out there on TV? And they're just, <laughs> they're cost prohibitive, uh, prohibitive. Yeah. and, and uh, especially for people traveling out here from, mm-hmm. from other parts of the country who don't have the, the time to put into these things. You know, the, you know, blacktail hunting is a year-round endeavor for, for me and a, and a lot of serious blacktail people. And, and uh, yeah, it's something, the efforts never stop and the learning never stops. Scott, let's pretend for one moment that the uh, meteorologists are going to be correct this year and that we're going to have a pretty, pretty kind of hard um, early winter. So looking into the, the, the late blacktail season, which starts, you know, somewhere around Thanksgiving, we got like a month or so. Uh, if somebody is preparing themselves for that particular season with those particular conditions in mind, what should they be preparing themselves for? I mean, what, what should be in your mind if you're looking ahead to the late blacktail season? Well, it, it, that's a good question. That's the first I'd heard of that forecast. So that's, that, that's interesting. And, and you know, one thing I think a lot of big blacktail buck behavior is, is based on photoperiodism. I really don't think it has a lot to do with weather and okay. bad weather yep. and cold weather and harsh weather, anything like that. I mean, if it's, you know, 80 degrees, they're still going to be pre-redding, you know, just like they would if it's 40. Now, what I think you... You get with these colder temperatures are uh, are increased movements in these deer, and they're more visible because of the lower temperatures, not because they're riding harder. They're gonna, you know, breed because. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The the does are in heat, um, but but you know they're, they're so they can move around more. 
Now, with that said, you know, if, if these, you know, if this hard winter hits about that time and, and right around that Thanksgiving time, two or three days, you know, before Thanksgiving really starts um, marking the peak of the second rut, yeah. um, I, I think what you what, what you would likely see is a lot of the bigger bucks who are more active during the primary rut, which is going to be coming up here, um, you know, probably starting, uh, gosh darn, probably starting in four, five, six days somewhere okay. in there. Um, I think a lot of those bigger bucks are going to be, um, you know, very active during the during this first rut, and then I think they're going to be pretty secretive. So, um, you know, the, the, once that cold weather hits, if it's a cold snap like that, they're they're not going to risk fighting other bucks for injury for maybe having the right to breed one doe. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to be uh, looking to to put more food on once you or more fat on, you know, by by eating more. So so I think they might finish up the rut and and be a little more sedentary, uh, hang closer to their core area, which I think that might give these younger bucks an opportunity to get out there and and move around more. So so I you know, I I'd, I'd go with rattling and calling quite a bit yep. in that okay. that later uh, session, maybe not with big aggressive rattling and grunts, but something a little more insubordinate in hopes of, you know, bringing in... Insubordinate. I like that one. Yeah. (laughs) You know, just a a nice buck instead of a big trophy class buck might be the focus Mm -hmm. then. Now, let's... You mentioned mentioned, uh, rattling and grunting. Let's go ahead and kind of of spool through some of the techniques you'll use. Uh, blinds, yeah. Um, tree stand. I mean, I mean, what, what, what is kind of your your choice for for black tail? Well, but blinds are good. I mean, if you have a, uh, you know, my best uh, setups with blinds have been where multiple trails come together, okay. where, where uh, you know, where where you can kind of sit there in a funnel, and and uh, hopefully does are moving through, and hopefully you know bucks are are crossing through there as well. I'll put you know urine up in those areas, doe urine usually, and uh, you know try to try to get that. Uh, waving through the air. I do like rattling out of tree stands. I love hunting out of tree stands because it gets your scent off the ground. You know, air travels just like water currents and horizontal layers. So, so the higher you can get, you know, the better your uh, the the better it is for keeping your scent off the ground. Okay. And if you, again, if you're in a good area where trails intersect or or a knob where these deer might be, you know, traveling to and from, you know, uh, the bedding areas through. Uh, that that'd be something you could sit all day and you know r- just just rattle uh, do some rattling sequences throughout the entire day, as deer might be moving around. Uh, gotcha. You know, if if it's bad weather, if it's really mm-hmm. wet and, and uh, somewhat windy, I like yep. getting on. Uh, I love getting on the ground and just and just rattling, just uh, working into the wind and gotcha. and you know using the the cover of the limbs and and uh, so forth that are blowing in the wind and and um, and, and covering ground that way. No road hunting for you, driving miles, <laughs> hanging out the window at the music plan. You know, it's it's amazing how many people I talk to that say, "Gosh, there are no more black tail around here. The good old days are gone." And you know, logging practices have changed. Uh, there's not as much. There's not as much uh, mm-hmm. public access as there used to be. But if you're out there year-round looking after these deer, what I'm finding on trail cameras and through summer scouting missions, it's it's phenomenal the number of bucks that are out there and, and really really big bucks. Scott, you uh, you and Tiffany have some uh, some things to do this weekend. Talk to us we a little do. bit about what you're what you're doing at Cabela's. <laughs> well, we're actually packing up the the truck right now and and heading up to the uh, Cabela's Tualatin store. Um, up there uh, out of Portland, we're going to be uh, offering four seminars today and tomorrow, starting at 11 o'clock. We're going to be um, working on game birds, actually have some geese and, and doves that we're going to be cleaning, showing people different ways to clean and, and, uh, and cook these things up. We're, we have a goat we're going to uh, butcher, so we'll show po- uh, people how to butcher their own big game. And that's one thing we get a, just so many questions about every single week. You know, I've, I've got this deer. 
you know, where's the closest butcher? Where do I take it now? Or what do I do now? And, you know, we, we've always butchered all of our own game, and, and it's just a great benefit to, you know, to, to do it yourself for so many reasons, and it's so easy to do. So so we'll be doing that. We'll be, uh, Tiffany will be talking uh, cooking and so forth, and if people want to get on my Facebook page, uh, just Scott Halpin, you can you can um, take a look at our schedule there. But it's 11 to 4 basically today and tomorrow at the Twelfton uh, store in Cabela's. Yeah, and if people can't make that, go on to the, uh, the uh, Facebook page of the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife. It's at my ODFW. And we did a session there um, Thursday where we um, broke down an entire um, hind quarter of a deer. And, and so that was, that was really popular. So if you can't make it to the seminar, you could take a look on that page, and it's still up there. So I am holding hostage uh, a signed copy of Scott's book, Trophy Blacktails, The Science of the Hunt. I'm, I'm offering the challenge again. If somebody can, can suggest to Bill and myself a, a piece of fishing and hunting reading that we must read, I'll prize you up with this book. Cool. But, it, but like I said, it's quid pro quo. got to be good. You have to, be good. You have to give us something before I'll give you this book. Well, hey, I Scott. Think you're holding the answer, aren't you? I, <laughs> that's right. Good point. Very well said. <laughs> hey, Scott, thanks for the uh, thanks for the, uh, the joining us on the late notice. Really appreciate that. Um, again, reminder, uh, 11 to 4 at Tualatin Cabela's. Is that correct? That's right. Today and tomorrow. All right, man. Appreciate cool. it, buddy. All right. Thanks yep. again. Thanks, good Scotty. Bye. Uh, bye-bye. A plethora of information he did, that oh, gentleman man. is, isn't he? Yeah, the very best. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's uh, get that uh, suggestion line going. 49451, mm-hmm. your critical must-read pieces of hunting and fishing literature. Uh, we'll prize you up with either the Trophy Blacktail book by Haugen or the Washington Fishing book by Rudnick. Two of my suggested must-reads. I'm here to you tell to read you. Those. Mm-hmm. Let's take a break. When we come okay. back, we'll uh, get a little bit of a patrol of the southwest when we return to Sports Radio 950. KJ. Northwest Wild Country on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. Can you believe how fast the time goes while we're here? Yeah, crazy. When I had Brad in here last week and uh, mm-hmm. in the studio, he goes, I can't believe that was two hours, man. That was so quick. I'm going, hey. Happens quickly. That's right. For sure. Uh, if you have not yet uh, texted in 49451, we'd uh, love your suggested uh, uh, must-read books, uh, fishing, hunting. Could be anything. Could be uh, blacktail, could be waterfowl, could be fishing... We want to hear your suggestions. We've got some good ones over on the Facebook page as well. You can go drop it on there sure. if you so choose. Uh, in the meantime, it uh, it is about time to turn our attention to uh, waterfowl and our longtime waterfowl guy, the guy who kind of keeps us filled in on what happens in the uh, southwesterly part of the state. Uh, Tim mm-hmm. Deaver of uh, Bob Sporting Goods is, is uh, oddly enough, he's not in the woods today. We've actually captured Tim uh, not, not hunting or not fishing. I know it's hard on, to believe. On a beautiful day like today, hard he's going to be? Hard to believe. What's up, Timmy? Uh, I got to go to work today. Uh, it happens. Oh, it happens once every couple of months, right? You have to go go do that on Saturday. Yeah, yep. you got to do it once in a while, and that's fine. At least I get to go talk hunting and fishing all day. So it's there's worse things to have. Right? Well, we'll get sure. you we'll get you prepared for that. Um, let's go ahead and take a look ahead to the upcoming waterfowl season, 2017-18 edition. Kind of curious about. Uh, the expectations for the Pacific Flyway and the things that, that you have seen around over the last month or so leading into it that would indicate uh, kind of what the what the localized populations are. Kind of get us get us ready to go. Well, we started out the year down at the beach down at Willapa Bay and uh, pleasantly surprised. It was uh, there was plenty of widgeon and teal and pintails, but uh, we shot uh, mostly mallards on the opener. We let the little guys come in and go, and 
And so the Mallard number seems super strong this year. Okay. Um, we hunted the uh, we've hunted the lower river um, um, out of uh, Deep River a couple of times, and then we hunted uh, Willapa twice, and then actually I've even hunted Silver Lake this year, and I'm done really well. And I'm out on my deck right now, and mm-hmm. uh, you'll probably hear a big boom or two with the guys out on the lake. Uh, <laughs> shooting a few this morning they, gotcha. they uh they've been busy this morning so there's a few birds on the lake so that's kind of nice so but, uh, we will it won't be too terribly long here before we have kind of a dramatic shift in the weather and again we've kind of referred to this earlier in the show but i mean you know uh noah's expecting it to be a pretty good a pretty good winter meaning good meaning an, an actual winter so what what does that mean for you and in the back of your mind you're thinking to yourself boy i would love some of that weather to come do you think that's going to happen well, you know, I to me this weather right here, this bluebird, beautiful uh, type weather, sunny. Um, this is ideal for me. I don't want a lot of rain because we yeah. hunt the Columbia and we hunt Lillipa mm-hmm. Bay, and and the guys that have good fields, they want a lot of rain. They yeah. want a lot of sheet water. Um, you know, we'll, we we would love to see some some bitter cold and not maybe not quite as much rain as last year, mm-hmm. but. Uh, but I don't, I'll take bluebird. I'll take a Indian summer all winter. I, that would yeah. be great by me. I uh, concur. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? So, Man. but uh, we kind of roll with the punches. Uh, strong goose numbers this year. We were able to shoot geese right off the get-go, and it's kind of a weird deal. It stops on the 29th, mm-hmm. and then it closes for a month, and then it'll reopen November, right at the end of November. So uh, that's usually what we go after when, when – uh, we start losing our birds on the river, but it, it's, it's just like, uh, there's a certain amount of rain. If, if you get a little too much, the, for those of us that hunt the Columbia, you hunt well up a bay, you lose over half your birds when it, when it floods like that. But, uh, I, I just, so far the indication's good that there's just a lot of birds. So, mm-hmm. and they're dumb this year. Last year <laughs> we did really, really well. But, I mean, from the get-go, we were having to pull all the different tricks out, lots of decoys, lots of movement. Um, and this year, they're just so far they're how they're supposed to be, nice and dumb. And and then, like I said, it's always happy to see a bunch of mallards. So um, I, I, I shoot them all, but, but I prefer. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. For those big greenheads, that's for sure. Tim, let's do a kind of a quick refresher here on kind of the the must-haves for if you're going to hunt the big water like the Columbia. Let's let's focus on the Columbia mm-hmm. first. Like like what are the what are the pieces of gear that you absolutely must have as a basic to hunt that effectively? 
Well, down there, I mean, if you're going to hunt the, the big river, and and whether it's on the Oregon or Washington side, I mean, there's there's a lot more islands on the Oregon side, but big boat. I have a, a 18 and a half foot uh, a sled, and and sometimes that seems small out there. Um, the guy that I hunt with, R.J. Bennett, he runs a 23 foot Aluma weld, and and most of the time we're pretty we're pretty good in that. I I don't get too worried, but there's days I won't take my little sled out there. Uh, it just gets mean. And then it's always early on, two to three dozen decoys is fine. Later in the season, as many as you want to pack out. The more decoys, the better. Uh, we start dealing with big, big rafts of birds. They start concentrating together in, in these massive, massive flocks. So the bigger spreads you can throw out, the more you attract them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some safety gear, that's for sure. You know, don't don't go out without your safety gear and, and – uh, and just be prepared. I mean, we kind of got a little emergency kit in both of the boats, you know, in case we have to spend the night out on there. Once in a while, once in a while, you you uh, anchor your boat, maybe not quite as deep as it should be, and and you're out there for a while. So <laughs> we always make sure that uh, we I always see. make sure that we have a good safety kit with some food and some extra clothes in it too, and a little dry box. So Tim, I see guys um, in the South Sound down within the Squally stuck on the flats that are out there duck hunting. They don't quite get deep enough, and they come back in, the tide's out, and there you are. <laughs> that's, uh, that's something I've seen quite often down in the South Sound. I, and that's the problem with tidal. Uh, I prefer, you know, I'd love to hunt just on a lake or a little pond or something like that, but you gotta you got to pay attention to the tides. And the other part of it, the other extreme is if uh, you run a really small boat you know, you can be out there and it can look like this, just a beautiful morning and, mm-hmm. and nice and calm. And, and you're out there and it's only a foot of water. And pretty soon you've got six feet of water and three foot rollers coming and the wind comes up in a hurry. So, you know, just kind of learning and knowing where you're going to hunt and just making sure that you're maybe a little over over uh, prepared. I mean, they've already lost a hunter over at the Tri-Cities this year, so. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, coming home safe is the most important thing. Mm. It's never worth a duck, but you know, I mean, it's, it's the extreme conditions are kind of when we get excited. So we, we yep. get out the door, but, uh, I always just tell guys, be prepared on that river. Let's talk a little bit, Tim, about, uh, about, about that bay hunt. I mean, we're talking about a different, total, kind of a different situation there. We're talking about, you know, possibly like pod boats and, and layout stuff. I mean, what's, what's kind of the, 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 the must have for, for the bay hunt? A pod would be great. Okay. Uh, hunt, hunting the edges, uh, hunting where little creeks and rivers come in. I mean, the Willapan National Refuge, there's just a pile of, of federal land that's our land that you can go out and hunt. One of the things that's pretty shocking down there is, so you're, you're dealing with mud and, and sparse grass, but you can go out there and cut some scotch broom. You can go out there and cut some willows and stick them out in the, the uh, mud out there, maybe dig a little pit and put it around the edges of it. you got to watch your tights down there. But you can go out there, and some of the mallards, they'll probably bust you. You won't shoot as many mallards. But the widgeon are like, weird, there's a bush out there. Let's go check it out. And they'll just come right in. So really? You can do makeshift lines. We'll do laydowns out there sometimes, uh, you know, the eliminator style. Um, 
and you don't necessarily need a lot of decoys. I mean, a lot of decoys are good, but being mobile and being where the birds are when you hunt the bay, the bay is a there's just a pile of birds. Even even when it floods and the birds are scattered, there's always birds on the bay. Uh, working the salt uh, flats and and the and the widgeon's king on the wilpa. Uh, the pintail is too, but you're only allowed one this right, year. But right. the widgeon is the king down there. I mean, there's always widgeon. And so just, you know, you can even go out. Uh, tide is more important than than um, what time in the morning you're out, even if it's nice or anything. On the bay, they follow the tide in and they follow the tide out. And so if you, if you, can, you can go out and kind of scout an area out and say it's low tide, find a high, uh, high spot with maybe some good cover and you know the tide's going to be in in an hour or two, just get out there and throw out a dozen or two decoys and get off a point and eventually all those birds will, will come to the edge. Uh, Tim, before, um, we, before we cut you loose, let's do a quick little kind of uh, run through some of the fishing opportunities. We have a bonus day for sturgeon harvest today on the Columbia, but uh, what's kind of the latest and greatest there as far as, as other opportunities? Uh, any, any coho we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, there's been some coho on the callets. I mean, it hasn't been crazy, but the the uh, heavy rain kind of threw the callets out. And uh, so, but the guys up above, um, you know, closer to Blue Creek and that, they were getting some nice coho. And right before the big rain, they were still getting coho down at Bowie Tent. So, you know, guys were down there, and there'd only be four or five boats. Uh, trolling around down there, and I was hearing good stories of limits of coho. So it sounds like our lake hmm. coho are doing good. Um, and so I would expect any time for the, the coho to be in the callets. Um, heard of a few fish in the Kalama. The Lewis was hmm. very good last week, uh, right up before the heavy rain, and, and should be good right now, too. So we got some coho. I'd love to be out right now for those sturgeon, but I be honest if i was off today i'd be killing ducks so <laughs> what what has been yeah what has been your impression of that sturgeon fishery and we've had we've had the two days and so forth how have those gone you know overall there was certain guys so there's a group of guys uh that aren't going out today because everybody's limited out you're allowed two sturgeon a sure, year right. and the two openers they got their fish mm-hmm. um there's other guys that are like it's just been terrible so obviously with the fish checking, they, the numbers were there to allow another fishery. You know, I, I get to meet and get to know some really good fishermen, and the guys that knew what they were doing were absolutely slamming them. Imagine that. Um, right? My buddies mm-hmm. took and were running um, sand shrimp with uh, bang shrimp scent. And uh, they absolutely murdered them. And uh, there were some other guys I know that were using uh, uh I don't know where they come from, but uh, the smelt that you get in the store, they look like the Calix River smelt, but mm. I don't think they are. But right. They were filling them full of uh, ultra clam, and ultra clam was the ticket. And they were filling them full of the ultra clam, and they were gotcha. slamming them. And so there was there was some nice sturgeon caught. Uh, I, I honestly was shocked that they were able to, uh, to have a, a third day out. But like I said, the overall numbers warranted us to have another yeah. day. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, and the opener was so windy and so nasty that that not a lot of guys could fish it well. You know, you're spinning around in your boat or <laughs> back and forth, so Wee. it wasn't real great that way. I'll tell you, Tim, that ultra clam is one of my yeah. super secrets. I put that in every fishery you could imagine, and it just works spectacular. 
It really does. And, and a buddy of mine had a theory when about corn. He says, when you open a can of corn, smell it. What does it smell like? I say, you crack a fresh can of corn, you go, it smells like clams. He goes, that's why. He goes, that's why corn works. It smells like clams. How about that? You ever thought, you ever that's heard anybody say that? Point. Yeah. Uh-huh. Ultra clam. Yeah. I know every time I open up one of those uh, uh, things of ultra clam, I want to get a little cream cheese or a little uh, uh, sour cream and pour it in there and make some chips. Yet, but yeah, I, I'm I'm sure some it probably toast. wouldn't taste as good as it smells. No, no. probably not. No. If you're uh, if you're headed down to either hunt or fish anywhere uh, in the southwest, go stop by. Say hello to Tim at uh, Bob Sporting Goods today. Hey, Tim, thanks for the check-in, dude. Yeah, I know we've been trying to catch up to the last handful of weeks, but uh, I'm glad we got you. Good information. Right on. Absolutely. I'll be back out there next weekend, so call any time. All right, bro. Appreciate it. Thanks, Tim. Yep. You bet. Bye. Ultra clam, Joel Shangle. Yeah. I, I put it in uh, everything. It's, in, it's part of the funk, right? It is part, part of the cosmic it, funk. It, it uh-huh. is part of the cosmic funk. It is funk, the yes. most identical part of the cosmic funk, I would yes. say. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Very, uh, very uh, underused, strangely enough. Let's uh, take our final break of the day. When we uh, come back, we're going to go back into the uh, reading room. We're going to identify some suggestions here from Wild Country Nation. We've also got a couple of more books kind of laying around the table here. But uh, but join in the discussion. Mm-hmm. If you have a, a book that you that Bill and I absolutely you insist we must read. I want to hear about let's it. Let's hear about it. 800-829-0950 right here on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Northwest Wild Country on Seattle Sports Radio 950 KJR. 743 Sports Radio 950 KJR. The spider wire question of the day will probably extend it throughout the weekend is uh, love to know what's in your fishing and hunting reading room. I brought in several titles here that I've looked through all these. Uh, these are all these are all great books. But Indeed. Yeah. Um Let's go back to the uh, to the one that we started the show with, Bill. Okay, that would be uh, that would be Ralph Wall. So that let's mm-hmm. first of all, for those who are not familiar with that particular name, sure. What what did he mean to the Pacific Northwest angler? And Ralph Wall was one of the very first anglers to fly fish for winter steelhead up on the Upper Skagit River. He was mm-hmm. one of like four or five guys who developed sinking lines. He used to soak uh, like braided line, old uh, Dacron lines in lead paint. That, yeah, that's how they they didn't have anything to. Yeah. What are you going to go buy back then, right? There was nothing. They had to find there was wire and and whatnot, but mm-hmm. you couldn't can't cast wire with a fly rod or put it on a reel. So they had to find something that was a pliable and b that was heavy that would work. So they soak they soak their stuff in black lead paint, old school lead paint. That's how they made this made their first sink tips. And that and Ralph Wall was one of the guys. That particular bit. When, when was that book published? Take oh, take a look at that. Man, it's got to be in the fifties. Yeah. Bit. Oh, uh, boy, let's see here. Uh, let's see. Right there. And I'm a-looking. Hold hold yeah. up. Hold up now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ancient. It's old. 1971. 71. Hmm. Yeah, it's newer than okay. I thought, actually. Yeah. Newer than I thought. Interesting. You mentioned mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned uh, Jim Conway yeah. to uh, to uh, Haugen a little bit ago. Yes, indeed. Old Lucky That's Jim. That's a name, boy. That's been around yeah. for a while. Holy we, smokes. Uh, my dad used to call him <sighs> Nice Fish. <sighs> nice Fish. <sighs> that that was his thing when on his TV show, yeah. Lucky Jim. That's all yeah. he would. He was just yeah. a, he was a, a little bit uh, pudgy, yes. so to speak. Yeah, you know, but he was he was always great. I remember him uh, fishing the Babian River with six pound test line and plugs out of a boat. Let me repeat that: six pound test. He used to pull plugs in the Babian way back then. <laughs> yeah, with these giant long uh, 
uh, full, fully, um, uh, not graphite, uh, glass rod with a glass mm-hmm. rod that would bend all the way to the butt yeah. with six-pound test. Uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how he ever landed one, quite frankly. But that was that was his gig. How about the books uh, by uh, by Sean Gallagher? Oh my God, the new ones, mm-hmm. his, his his steel his steelhead books, two books. Yep. They're the most spectacular things I've really ever good. read. And really what's, good. what's eerie mm-hmm. is we're about the same age, and he goes through the history of steelhead and how an angler progresses, how you start with bait and all the stuff you do and how, how you fish and how you progress and how you want a more of a challenge and how great the fishing was back in the day, how it was close to home, how it was inexpensive. We had world-class fishing at our back door and didn't appreciate it. Now that it's gone and going away, how much more it appreciated uh, you appreciate it more now than you ever mm-hmm. did then, and how he kind of feels bad for guys coming up now. Mm-hmm. They'll never get to see what we saw, and I, I feel the same I, way. I think his best you know? quote. I mean, so I, and I haven't read those books cover to cover. I've kind of Spec- glanced through I them have. here and there. Uh-huh. Uh, there, he has a quote in there about the the numbers game, yeah. about a numbers game, and I, and I I really wish I had it in front of me because I mean, right. we, we just we just we talked about that with him on the air. Yeah. About can can you know. Do you remember fish number two? Do you remember fish number? I, I don't remember his exact quote. Mm-hmm. You've paraphrased it on oh, the air many times, times, and I've 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 nailed guys on this. Who um, <laughs> I, I talk to guys who uh, are fishing on the coast, and I'm trying to get these regulations going. That's a whole other ball of wax. Mm-hmm. But I asked or asked somebody. I said, "How was fishing?" Well, the water dropped in, man. We got 22 fish today. I said, "Tell me about number nine. And the guy looks at me. It was probably a cromer. I go, "You caught a beautiful wild steelhead." And you don't remember anything about the bite, the way you landed it, nothing. It was just mm-hmm. a number, just yep. a number. Right. Unless it was a giant fish mm-hmm. or some weird kind of creature, you, it's just another It's just, we got 22. Oh, yeah, almost meaningless, really. It is meaningless, yep. and it's irritating as hell. It really is. And, but he asked a guy who, got, who fished for three days, and mm-hmm. he got one. Mm-hmm. He's going to tell you about the grab, how it jumped, how many spots it had, oh, yeah. exactly what he was using, where he was standing, yeah. or what he had for lunch. You name it. He'll tell you what the weather was, everything mm-hmm. about it, glowingly. Remember everything about that fish, which is yep. why a steelhead should never be a numbers fish. Never. Right. Yeah, that, that particular mm-hmm. s- set of books, getting back to the books, were right. really, really good. I mean, very well done, very well written, of course. Real, I mean, beautiful imagery. Oh, spectacular. Really, yep. really good. Yep. He's on top of an, an, an eerie parable to yeah. my, my growth as a steelheader, too. Uh, as far as the uh, the hunting books go, um, I have here uh, Meat Eater, which is uh, written by our buddy Steve Ranella, mm-hmm. who is also responsible for w- one of my very favorite books, which is The Scavenger's Guide to, to Haute Cuisine. <laughs> if you want something that's just entertaining, yep. that's just a super good, because Steve's a, he's a great writer, very oh, well yes, spoken, yes, he is. Uh, really, really good stuff. Meat Eater's good. Um, I've got a couple more suggestions on the Facebook page, if I can run to this real quickly here. Okay. Uh, tell me about that, that Skeena book you've got over there too, Bill. The Skeena book yeah. from Bob Hooten? Mm-hmm. This is actually it's all about Skeena Steelhead. And before, a beautiful book uh, by Amato Publications. Mm-hmm. It's all all color. And before you get too excited about you think, oh, it's all going to be about the Kispi Ox and the Babby and the Sustat and the Suspa mm-hmm. and all that. And blah, 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 about, but it's basically about the, it's a lot of biology, history of the, of the fish, um, uh, you name it. It's a lot of politics in here. Mm-hmm. Some really cool pictures of, of the Skeena, obviously. Like of Morristown Falls, there's a lot of things in there that uh, the the native fishery there, which is very interesting. But it's not much about fishing, more than it's just about steelhead, their life and history in the Skeena, which is a really cool book. We have a suggestion here on the Facebook page. It's uh, King of Fish, the Thousand Year Run of Salmon by mm-hmm. David R. Montgomery Paul. Cox from Olympia suggested that he's actually on. Paul, tell me a little bit about this uh, about this book. You've mm-hmm. you've mentioned this book to me before. I actually have the book. 
but I have not yet read it. So, oh, sh- so sh- guys, shame on me. It, it is a super good read. Um, I, I think anybody that's really into the longevity of the salmon species, mm-hmm. it's a it's a it's a have to read book because it really? goes back through the history. Uh, the pictures in it are just amazing. When they had a lot of the canneries down on the Columbia, it's just fascinating to where. Uh, the, the fish used to be in where they are now, and it's just, it's really amazing history. And this book is, uh, this is based on Pacific Northwest, uh, strictly Washington, kind of what's, what's the background on that? Yeah, Pacific Northwest, uh, Columbia River North, so it, it okay. deals with the Seattle fishery as well, uh, the big canneries that were in Seattle. Uh, it's just, it's just amazing, uh, amazing read. Uh, the n- interesting thing about David Montgomery is, He's a geomorphologist, so that's a, kind of a mouthful, but he really talks about the degradation of habitat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that argument back and forth, oh, it's habitat, it's netting, it's this, it's that. Mm-hmm. It really goes into uh, detail on how uh, the habitat, the loss of habitat is, can be substantiated. Really cool. So I'm, I'm reading really good stuff. I'm reading just kind of the background here, Paul. It says Montgomery shows how a succession of historical experiences, first in the United Kingdom, then in New England, and now in the Pacific Northwest, repeat a disheartening story in mm-hmm. which overfishing and sweeping changes to rivers and seas render the world inhospitable to salmon. Mm-hmm. Basically, That's wherever, exactly the, wherever right. the white man migrated to, he took uh, the game for his own and got rid of it, what it boils down to. Absolutely true. Mm-hmm. And like I say, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those have-to-have books in your library so mm-hmm. you can uh, really feel like uh, after reading the book you've got more information. King of Fish, the thousand-year run of salmon. You can get it on. Looks like you can get it for thirteen bucks on Amazon. That's yeah. Amazon's good. got it. And hey, guys, I also got to tell you, I just uh, ordered a copy of Waiting Waiting the River. Is that the one you guys have? Yeah, oh come, no, Come Wade the River by Ralph. Come Wall. Wade the River. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the prices on some of those? Yes, I have, and that's <laughs> wow. why that don't tell Joel Shangle. He'll take it back. <laughs> Do not tell him. <laughs> Yeah, well, I did find a used copy because I absolutely want to read it. But oh man, that's a that's a very nice gift and happy belated birthday, Bill. I, I'm, oh, boy. I, I'm here to tell you, my buddy JD Love had one forever, and he's and when he when he's moving, he sold all of his books on one shot. And I said, you did not sell your copy of Come Wade the River. He goes, oh yeah, I was in there. I go, dude, you promised that to me, and I was I was distraught. It was it, uh, wow. I really I, I saw this and I bought. You should have seen my expression. He's it right. was yeah. He's right. Worth his weight in gold. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. So anyway, hey, yeah, you, make sure if folks are so inclined, uh, King of Fish is really a good read. So yeah. I would highly recommend it. Appreciate Thanks. that, Paul. Good suggestion. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Bet. Have a great weekend. Good show, guys. Yeah, man. You too. Thank appreciate you. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bye bye. All right, there you go. Must reading King of Fish, the thousand year run of salmon. I, I do have this. I recognize mm-hmm. the cover. I have yeah, it yeah. sitting on my bookshelf somewhere, along yeah. with about a thousand other books I need to read. Mm-hmm. Trust me, I am not going to sell this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to sell it. I want, I've wanted this book for 30, 30, should I 30 go to, years. Should I go to eBay right no, now? No, you should not. Wait till I'm about halfway home, okay? Yeah, I'm going to go to eBay right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're really going to be. Oh, 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 by the way, I, I, have, I have to tell you, I had uh, one of my famous uh, salmon patties, my Rufus Woods trout patties for you, yeah. that uh, my wife ate. Yeah. <laughs> she ate you it. did. You did. I, you did the ultimate bait and switch on it. You I, showed I, me a picture. I even sent you a photo. I go, oh, yeah. here it is, man. I yeah. didn't eat it. You know, it was yeah. the last one. I was hungry. Yeah. And I go, man, these are so good. I go, I'm uh-huh. just not going to. I'm going to bring it to Joel. I'll be a nice guy. And mm-hmm. this morning, I'm getting ready to leave and open the refrigerator, and it's not, I didn't see it. And I woke her up and I go, honey, where's my salmon? And she goes, oh, that was delicious. Thank you for saving that for me. And I'm like, that was Joel's. <laughs> I go, I'm going to dime you out in the air. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That, that means the next time you owe me two. 
That's yeah, how it goes. I'm afraid so, yeah. By the way, the the first the first copy of Come Wade the River by Wall, by Ralph Wall is ninety nine dollars. Yeah. That I find on eBay. So And that's one without a cover on it, probably. It is it is without a cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just plain old just plain yep. old book. That's right, pal. Well, there you go. Yeah, J.D. Loves was pristine. Looked like nobody <laughs> even cracked the book. Well, you're welcome. You're very you're welcome. welcome. Yeah, thank you very much. All right. Well, that's uh, mm-hmm. that's going to do it for us today. Yep. Need to thank the guests who joined us uh-huh. on this edition of Northwest Wild Country. Uh, Jared Higginbotham of Yakima Bait Company. Mm-hmm. You can find out about uh, the uh, fine gear p- produced by Yakima Bait, www.yakimabait.com. Also by Scott Haugen. If you're anywhere near the uh, Tualatin uh, Cabela's today or tomorrow, uh, Scott and Tiffany are there from 11 to 4. Stop by and say hi and tell yep. them you heard it on the air. Absolutely. Also, mm-hmm. uh, Tim Deaver of Bob's Sporting Goods. One of the rare Saturday mornings you'll find him actually mm-hmm. at the gun counter at Bob's Sporting Goods. If you can go say hi to Tim, he'll give you all kinds of great information. Right on. We'll continue this, the uh, spider wire question of the day, for the next couple of days. There, right. are, there are some suggestions here, but nothing yet that's making me feel like I, I absolutely need to read it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and save that for another day or two. Cool. Uh, text it into 49451, or uh, you can drop it on the Facebook page. And we'll see you same time, same place right here next week on Sports Radio 950 KJS. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.